0: I grew up in the 80's I'm a child of the 80's I had acid wash jeans that I rolled up how many of you remember this huh oh yeah that's what I'm talking about right there that's awesome that is awesome and I can't do it today no 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 but um, yeah acid wash jeans big hair right in the 80's Uh, pant legs rolled up and and I'm not ashamed to say it I rocked a mullet in the 80s (laughs) business in the front party in the back that's right junior high I tried to find my picture of me with my mullet and I couldn't find it because I was going to shoot it up on the screen just so you could so there was visual evidence that I rocked a mullet in the 80s and uh but but alas and alack it was not to be found um so growing up in the 80s uh, I, I listened to a lot of Christian music, and I didn't have much exposure uh, to uh, rock music and, and things like that until I got to high school, and I decided that I wanted to branch out a little bit and listen to more uh, secular music. Ooh. And uh, I remember uh, hearing about this band, and, and this band that everyone was talking about. And I went to a Petra concert at the Star Plaza Theater, and there was a guy who had a t-shirt on for this rock band, and I, I remember thinking, who is this band that I've never heard of? The band was U2, okay? The band was U2. I'd never heard of them until I, I asked a, a friend of mine in high school to make me a, a tape. Now, for those of you who were not born prior to <laughs> CDs, we had these little things called cassettes. Even before that, there were eight tracks. You will have to ask your grandparents about those, but um, they had... <laughs> so we had these cassettes, right? And, and, and the cassette, you could rewind it and fast-forward it. How many of you used a pencil in a cassette? Oh, yeah. So we had these cassettes and you could you would have like a dual cassette player and and you could dub from one cassette to the other it was awesome I mean what a time to be alive and so uh she this friend of mine made me a CD or made not a CD she made me a cassette tape of the soundtrack to the movie rattle and hum which was a, a concert documentary of uh the U, of band of the band u2 so I'm, i was really excited and here i am one day and with my walkman now how many of you had a Walkman? Oh yeah, yeah, I had a Walkman A Walkman was a portable cassette player And you would put your cassette in And close it up, it kind of looked like this Only bigger um, And so I put my cassette in my Walkman And I was walking from the high school Like after a band practice or something, band geek, thank you very much uh, I walked from band practice Over to First Christian Church in Crown Point So it's a little hike across town And I, and I popped this Rattle and Hum CD or cassette Into my uh, Walkman And I'm walking all the way over, and all of a sudden. sudden this song comes on and it's a song that literally changed my life i must have listened to it 10 times on that walk just rewinding and and pressing play and rewinding and pressing play wearing out the tape on this song and this song is the inspiration for today's sermon and it was the song i still haven't found what i'm looking for and it was—it's just—it was just, a number one single for you two back in the 80s. Uh, it was a song that just literally changed my life. It changed my view of music and what music could be. And I remember it was on the on the Rattlin Home album. Uh, it was accompanied by a gospel choir. There was a gospel choir singing along. Uh, with you two on the song, and I was just—I was blown away. I, I kid you not, there were tears streaming down my face as I'm listening to this beautiful music and this, this amazing song and the the chorus that I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, I, I, it was awesome, and and I remember uh, just if if I, I I like concerts, I like going to concerts. I thought if I could just see this song live. So back in 1991, I got tickets to go see U2 in Indianapolis. Uh, 2001. In 2001, I got tickets to see U2 in Indianapolis. I thought, great, I'm finally going to hear my favorite song. Literally, my favorite band is U2, my favorite song of all time. You can ask me this anytime. Sean, what's your favorite song of all time? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So I'm excited. I'm going to the concert at the Field Fieldhouse, which is now like Banker's Life Fieldhouse, whatever it is. And so I go to this concert, and I'm I'm just totally geeked up. It's Bono's birthday. I mean, it's like his, and so he's like in, in rare form, and he's like singing his heart out. And I'm like, play my song, play my song, play my song. Never played my song heartbroken i mean great concert amazing experience lights and you know great music that i love you know and and and, but it wasn't complete till a couple years ago some friends got me tickets to go see you two at soldier field and so there i am with these friends of mine at soldier field and the concert's great. It's huge. This massive set. It's just unreal. And 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 the the music's great the crowd, there's sixty-five thousand people singing their lungs out, and, and it's just awesome. And and then I hear the chords to the opening of my favorite song. And like a little schoolgirl, I jump up like, and yeah! go, and I'm just like, I'm losing my mind. And here I am, I pull out my phone, my old flip phone, uh, and I hit the record button uh, on, on my video, and I'm recording the video singing, screaming at the top of my lungs with bottle and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Only it was way off key. I mean, it was really, really bad. I listened to the video like a couple days later, I'm like, I have to erase this, because if somebody ever finds this, I'm in trouble. And so I erased the video, and, uh, but it was amazing, I mean, finally get to hear my song live and, and it's like, oh, it's just so great. How many of you have ever had that experience where it's like, you just you, you go to a concert and they finally play the song you want to hear? You know How many of you have had the office experience You go to a concert they don't play the song you want to hear? And you're like, this stinks. Yeah. That's the story of my love affair with you two. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I tell you, it, it's just, you know, we began this journey about a month ago, uh, this summer concert series. And we're using the hit singles from the last 8 decades and we're using the the song titles from hit songs Uh, For Sermon titles and so we looked at the 40s and we talked about the song sentimental journey We looked at the 50s and how God made a jailhouse rock in the 60s. We talked about uh, We read we uh, preached through the book of Jude and uh, the Beatles saying hey Jude Uh, and last week We talked about the Jackson 5's I'll be there and how God is always there uh, Always with us never leave us never abandon us never forsake us this week. We come to the 80s And we got let's see we got 80s 90s 2000s and today so we got four weeks left including today uh, and we're going to keep doing this uh, these hit songs as sermon titles and so we're going to journey back to the days of big hair high top sneakers remember high tops everybody had to have high tops with your jeans rolled up we're going to go back to the time and and for some of you this will blow your mind we're going to go back to the time when mtv played music videos (laughs) it's the 80s what a time to be alive right So, um, we're going back to the 80s today. Today's message, today's sermon, is a sermon about faith. It's a sermon about faith. Uh, And it's not about what I'm looking for, and it's not about what you're looking for. Today's sermon is about what Jesus is looking for. So, if you'll grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 7, we're going to look at what Jesus is looking for. Luke chapter 7, grab your bulletin, turn to the back page, to the HDO, and you will be able to take some notes if you like, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Got it? Let's do this. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant... Whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus, and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him he said I tell you I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house And found the servant well. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus preaches a sermon very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, but this one's called the Sermon on the Plain. It's just like the Sermon on the Mount, but it's a little bit shorter. Uh, He went into Capernaum, which which was kind of like Jesus' home away from home. It was on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a fishing town. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, they were all from Capernaum. Uh, Like I said, it was a a fishing village there on the north side of Galilee. Um, And as he enters Capernaum, he is met by some Jewish leaders some jewish elders and uh, they come on behalf of this roman centurion who had a slave who was about to die and this slave was very important to the roman centurion so these jewish elders come to jesus and tell him that this roman centurion's slave is about to die the roman centurions the the name centur centurion, centurion um, indicates what kind of power he had he had a hundred soldiers under his command now Uh, Obviously the word sent century a hundred years centurion a hundred soldiers when it came to uh, Practical matters. It was more like 60 to 80 soldiers, but they kept the name centurion So he's got about 60 to 80 soldiers underneath him and whenever he says they do you go you go you come over here You come over here you do this you do this Uh, and, And so he had a lot of authority. He had a lot of power And he was also very wealthy centurions were very wealthy in those days and in fact he was so wealthy that he built a synagogue for the jews living there near capernaum so he builds this synagogue for them and the jewish leaders loved the centurion now this is weird okay this is strange because he's a gentile and he's a roman and he's a soldier occupying their land but they love this guy because he's done some really nice things for them including building them this really nice synagogue So they go to Jesus and they tell Jesus, he deserves for you to do this for him. He's worthy of you. That's quite a statement. So they go to him because the centurion had heard about Jesus and the things that he had done. And so they sent the elders to ask for help. And again, the elders asked Jesus to help them because he had been so kind to them. And maybe they thought that he wouldn't help them anymore if Jesus didn't do this for them. And so it was, it's like, Jesus, you've got to do this for this man because he's not going to help us anymore and he may treat us badly if you don't do this for him. So they go to Jesus. They ask him to help the centurion. Uh, and Jesus agrees. He decides to go with them. And he's going to go to the centurion's house. And he is going to heal this, this slave. So they go to the, they're on the way to the house. And all of a sudden, the centurion sends some friends out to meet Jesus. While the Jews thought that, Jesus, that this man was worthy of Jesus, the centurion disagreed. In fact, he said, I am unworthy for you to come into my house. I am unworthy for you to do this for me, and I, I just, I'm asking you to do this. Now what's amazing is that Jesus was going to break some socio-religious customs of the day. Uh, first of all, he was going to enter the home of a Gentile. That was a, a, a strict no-no. You don't do that. If you're a Jew, you do not go into the home of a Gentile. But you know what? Jesus was really never one for socio-religious customs. In Luke chapter 5, he healed a leper by reaching out and touching him. He touched an unclean leper, which again, was that was a no-no. You don't touch lepers. Uh, in, in Luke chapter 6, uh, he was picking grain on the Sabbath. And then he healed someone on the Sabbath. And according to the Pharisees, this is something that you didn't do. This was a custom, a man-made rule that you were not allowed to do. Their man-made interpretation of the law and Jesus was breaking their man-made interpretation of the law. Do you know why Jesus did that? you know why Jesus broke those man-made interpretations of the law? Because he knew that people mattered more. People mattered to God so much that he was willing to break these man-made precepts and these man-made rules, these man-made laws because people matter more most so his disciples are hungry they pick grain this person needs healing doesn't matter what day it is he's going to heal him this centurion slave needs to be healed he's going to die the centurion slave needs to be healed jesus is going to enter into his home again this is a a no no but he's going to enter in his home and he's going to heal the centurion slave so the centurion hears that jesus is coming He sends his friends, don't even bother coming here because I know that you have great power. I know that you have great authority because I myself, while I am under someone else's authority, I also have great authority. And he tells them about how I tell this one to do this and and this one to come and this one to go and whatever I say, they do because I am in charge of these people. I have authority and I know that Jesus, you have authority that even from afar, you could say, heal my servant and he will be healed. Jesus is astonished. Jesus is amazed. Um, In the book of... One of the themes of the book of Luke is the amazement. Uh, I preached a sermon series uh, when I lived in Minnesota called The Amazing Story of Jesus. Jesus. Because it, throughout, And it was all through the book of Luke. And the reason is because throughout the book of Luke we read of how people are amazed at Jesus and people are astonished at Jesus. They are in awe of Jesus, of the things that He can do, of the way that He teaches, of the miracles that He does, of the healings that He performs, raising the dead. All of these things, they're just amazed and astonished at Jesus. But in this case, someone else is astonished. Someone else is amazed. The Bible says, that Jesus was amazed. Now here's my question. All right, here's, This is a side question. This one's free. Could you imagine having such incredible faith that even Jesus looked at you and said, wow, that's some amazing faith. Because that's exactly what Jesus does with this centurion. This Gentile centurion, as far as we know, doesn't fear God. And yet he believes in Jesus. And he believes that Jesus has authority given to him by God. He believes that Jesus can heal, even from afar, that Jesus has the authority. And Jesus, the Bible says, is amazed. Look at this, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the ground following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. There are three things that Jesus is looking for. If you'll turn to your bulletin now on the back page, we're going to find one of them here, and the other two we're going to find later in Luke's gospel. The first blank on your outline this morning is Jesus is looking for true faith. Jesus is looking for true faith. Now, he's looking for more than just an intellectual belief, more than just intellectual assent, more than just an acknowledgement of his existence. That's not what true faith is. Jesus is looking for true, heartfelt, deeply felt faith. He is looking not just for, like I said, an acknowledgement of, of his existence. A lot of people believe that Jesus existed. A lot of people believe that Jesus lived. That a man 2,000 years ago named Jesus of Nazareth was born of a virgin and, and, and was born in a, uh, in a manger uh, and grew up and died on a cross. A lot of people believe that there was a real man named Jesus who lived Not everybody puts their trust in him. Not everyone believes him. They believe in him, but do they believe him? He is looking for us to believe and to trust him. There's a real difference. There is a difference between believing in something and believing that something or someone is true. And we believe... We are called to believe, to have true faith, to believe that Jesus really is who He said He was, that He really is the Son of God, that He really did die on the cross for our sins. He is looking for us to believe that He can offer us real salvation, that He can offer us true hope. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pretty exclusive, right? Sounds pretty exclusivist like he is the only way to be saved and you know what that's confirmed back in in uh, Acts chapter 4 verse 12 The disciples were on trial for their lives and they said about Jesus salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved that there is only one way to be saved And that is through Jesus Christ His the only way But what does it mean to be saved? How do we receive this salvation? What does it mean to be saved? It is by God's grace. It is a gift of His grace through faith in His Son, Jesus, that we can be saved and that we can have hope and that we can have our our sins forgiven. In John chapter 3, everybody knows John 3.16, right? Hold up the sign at the football game. The guy with the big rainbow wig on holds up the sign. John 3.16, this is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But listen to verses 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So what do we have to do? How do we put our faith and trust in Jesus? How do we believe Him for salvation? You've got to believe. Like I said, it all starts with faith. and You've got to believe in Him. You've got to believe and trust Him for salvation. You have, to con- you have to repent from sin, which means just to turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness. You've got to confess your faith and say, I believe. I am a believer. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And you've got to be baptized. I'm so excited. We have two baptisms this morning. We've got two young sisters who are coming to be baptized today. And we're going to do that in just a little while. But there's there's enough water for more than just these two girls to be baptized today. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we go on to live a life of faithfulness. We believe, we repent, we confess, we're baptized, and we live a life of faithfulness. Jesus is looking for true faith. Will he find it in you? The second blank is found later in Luke's gospel. There's a story that Jesus tells about a persistent widow who is begging a judge, an unjust, an unjust judge for justice. Say that five times fast. An unjust judge for justice. Because of her persistence, she is given what she asks for, she is given justice. And then Jesus asks a question at the end of this parable about the woman asking for justice persistently, and he asks this question in Luke 18, 8. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The word faith there is better translated as faithfulness. So the second blank on your outline is Jesus is looking for faithfulness. Not just an intellectual assent, not just a belief, uh, not just even a trust in him, but he is looking for faithfulness. He is looking for us to live faithful lives, lives that are devoted to him, lives that are fully sold out. And fully surrendered to his mission for our lives. This whole thing that we do every Sunday, this mission statement thing about loving God, loving others, and spreading the gospel, making disciples, more and better disciples of Jesus, that is what we're committed to as a church family. That we want to make disciples of all nations, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. We want to make disciples of everybody. We want to help them come to a place where they put their faith and trust in Jesus. In this parable in Luke 18, he was talking about faithfulness in prayer. But I believe he is calling us to live lives of faithfulness in more than just our prayer lives. He is calling us to live faithful lives in everything that we do. To be faithful to Jesus in everything. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. He is looking for a daily commitment to faithfulness, a daily commitment to following a daily commitment to denying ourselves a daily commitment to the cross to taking up that cross a dedication to being sold out fully sold out and fully surrendered living for jesus every moment of every day he is looking for disciples not just a one-time commitment not just i raised my hand at a christian concert not just i went forward on a sunday morning He is looking for a lifetime of faithfulness and that's hard I mean, that's hard. When you read Luke 9, 23, about taking up that cross every day, that's an everyday thing. Take up your cross daily. You don't get a day off. You don't get a vacation from the cross. When you crawl up on the cross, when you say, okay, Lord, I'm taking up my cross today, there's no vacation from that. It is a fully surrendered daily devotion to Jesus. He is looking for daily faithfulness. Will he find it in you? The last blank on your outline. Jesus is looking for the lost. In Luke 19, Jesus has an encounter with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a a sycamore tree. New International says sycamore fig tree, but we'll leave it at that. I believe it was a sycamore tree. Because that's what I was taught in Sunday school. That's right. The song says it's a sycamore tree, so therefore it is a sycamore So, Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus climbs up in this tree because he wants to see Jesus. Jesus goes up to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house when? Today. Today. I'm coming to your house today. Get out of the tree. Let's go to your house. And so the people looking at Jesus claim that he is going to the house of a sinner and they're sneering at him, they're mocking him. Look, he's going to the house of a sinner. Well, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and he eats dinner at Zacchaeus' house. And everyone else looks at Zacchaeus as being unworthy. But what happens is Jesus, in this course of this conversation, brings Zacchaeus to a place of repentance. And Zacchaeus repents from his evil ways and he vows to give back anyone he's cheated. uh, and, And he vows to repent and turn away from his sinful life. And so these onlookers are scoffing at Jesus. But this is what Jesus says in Luke 19.10. He says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. People are lost. Zacchaeus was a lost soul. And people we know are lost. They're lost in sin. And Jesus went and looking, he went looking for Zacchaeus, and he is looking for the lost. He is looking for those lost souls. He's looking for those people who feel like they're hopeless, who feel like they have no peace in their lives, that their lives are nothing but chaos. He is looking for the lost souls. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're thinking, I feel so lost. I feel lost in my sin. I feel lost, uh, and I feel like I don't have any hope. You know what Jesus gives hope he gives hope in this life and he gives hope for life eternal Jesus gives hope Maybe you're at a loss for peace. Maybe your life is nothing but chaos and confusion You feel like you're walking around in a tornado all the time and you just need some peace. I got good news for you Jesus is the prince of peace Jesus gives peace Maybe you feel like you're lost and and you need unconditional love. You feel like you're at a loss for unconditional love. I just need to feel loved by someone. Jesus loves you unconditionally. He loves you right there, right now, where you're sitting. Jesus is loving you right now, right where you are. You are loved And Jesus loves you unconditionally. He doesn't say, if you clean up your act, then I'll love you. If you go to church more, then I'll love you. If you put more money in the offering plate, well, well, that's true. Um, (laughs) No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you put more money in the offering plate, then I'll love you. He says, I love you right now, right where you are. And I accept you, and I welcome you, and I love you. Right where you are. The good news is, is that while he loves you right the way you are and just the way you are that's by the way that's in 2 weeks just the way you are 3 weeks the last sermon series last sermon in this sermon series is called just the way you are he loves you just the way you are but he also loves you too much to keep you that way to leave you that way he wants to change your life he wants to give you hope he wants to give you joy he wants to give you peace he wants to love you unconditionally and he wants to change your life and make you better To make you a more devoted, more faithful follower of Jesus Christ. That's what He does. He loves you right there. So if you are at a loss for unconditional love, know that He loves you right where you are. Did I knock that off? I'm sorry. Maybe you're at a loss. Maybe you feel lost in guilt. Maybe you feel lost in shame. You feel so ashamed. If you knew what I had done, I don't even deserve to be here. I feel like that centurion, that centurion who who felt unworthy to have Jesus come into his house. Maybe you feel unworthy to have Jesus come into your life. Maybe you're just lost in guilt and shame. I got good news for you. My favorite part of my favorite song is towards the end of the song when Bono sings, you broke the bonds. You loosed the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it. Do you believe it? that Jesus took the cross of your shame and he took the weight of your guilt and he took it on himself and he suffered and he died on that cross for you and for me and he took the pain and he took the torture and he did it because he knew there was no other way. There was no other way. And in his great, awesome love for you, he took that on himself and he takes away your guilt and he takes away your shame and you don't have to bear it anymore. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace. He wants you to feel His love. He is looking for the lost. He is looking for you. you. Will He find you? Will He find you? Will you let yourself be found by Him? Will He find what He's looking for? Jesus is looking for you. He is looking for you. He is looking for believers. He's looking for believers who have true faith and who want to live faithful lives. He is looking for unbelievers. I think people get the wrong idea about Jesus. As though you've got to be perfect for Him to want you. As though you've got to have your act together for Him to want you. He wants everybody. He wants everyone. Right where you are, He's looking for you. And he wants you in his family. He wants you to accept his gift. He has a gift for you. Will you be the one he's going to find? Will you you, you be found by him today? If you're not a believer, if you're not a believer in Jesus, then he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Because he's looking for you. If you're not living a life of sold out faithfulness, if you're not living a life of sold out devotion as a disciple of Jesus, then he still hasn't found what he's looking for. Because that's what Jesus is looking for I have a twofold challenge for you this morning the first if you are a believer the question you have to ask yourself is am I living a faithful life am I living faithfully to Jesus am I living in faithful service to him or am I merely saying I believe am I just saying yeah I believe it or are you living it out faithfully day in and day out taking up that cross every day it's time to take a step of faithfulness It's time to get involved, to serve God in his church, to serve God in his kingdom. You heard uh, Bob when he did his communion meditation earlier and his offering meditation talking about the importance of of giving your life to Jesus in service, about serving God in his kingdom. It's time to get involved. And we're going to give you some great opportunities over the next several weeks to get involved. Because we're going to make some changes around here that are just going to blow your mind. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to do some things that are going to make it possible for more people to come and hear about Jesus. And that's what we really want to do. Is we're going to make it possible for more people to hear the good news. We're going to make it possible for more people to hear about Jesus. So that's what we want to do. But maybe you need to take a step of faithfulness like this. Maybe you need to share your faith with somebody. You need to tell somebody about what you believe or maybe you need to take your faith or maybe you need to say no to temptation and no to sin maybe that's the that's the step of faithfulness you need to take you need to say no to temptation and sin or maybe you need to take a step of faithfulness and pray more faithfully or read your bible more faithfully or get involved in a bible study more faithfully maybe that's the step of faithfulness that you need to take if you're not a believer then maybe you need to get serious about your faith maybe you need to you need to figure out okay what is it that i believe because I believe that everybody's on some kind of journey of faith. We're on a journey of faith. We believe everybody believes something. Even if it's just you believe that your car's going to start after church today, you believe something. So everybody is on some kind of journey of faith, and I, I, I encourage you to trust in Jesus for salvation. What is holding you back from trusting Christ for salvation? What has you on the fence between faith and doubt? What has you riding that fence? And how can we overcome those doubts? How can we get you onto the side of faith? What needs to be done? What needs to be said? What needs to be read? What needs to be heard for you to make that choice to follow Jesus and trust him for salvation? Maybe it's time to investigate Christianity. Maybe it's time to investigate God's word. If you're ready to make that step of faith today, if you say yes, I believe in Jesus and you've never been baptized Like I said, I got these two young ladies down here just waiting to get baptized this morning And they're like, please hurry because we want to get baptized They've been they've been hounding me for months and I'm so excited that we got to this place We met this week and we talked for a while and and they're ready to be baptized I'm so excited, but they're not the only ones we have that that baptistry is full of water And we have dry clothes for you to, to, we have uh, clothes that you can put on that you can get in there and you can be baptized today. If you're ready to make that step of faith, by all means, don't wait another day. Come on down today and you can do that today. Jesus is looking for you to make a commitment. And this is everybody, not just unbelievers, but believers. This is everybody. Jesus is looking for you to make a commitment today. Is Jesus going to find what he's looking for? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, time to, to get into your word and, and to talk about what Jesus is looking for. I, I'm, I, I know that he's looking for us to live lives of faithfulness. And he's looking for people to, to make a decision to follow him. And he's, he's looking for the lost. And he came to seek and to save the lost. And God, we, sometimes we feel so lost and, and we need to be found by you. So I pray that you would come here today. Convict our hearts of a need for faithfulness. Convict our hearts for a need of you. And I pray that you would bless uh, Natalia and Julia as they get baptized today. And I pray that uh, you would help them to walk in faithfulness all the days of their lives. We give you praise and glory. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus.